Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mountain Man Dan Show. Been a while since we put an episode out. Um, seems like it's always the way it is, trying to get stuff out, trying to get stuff done around, you know, trying to build this house and stuff. I just get sidetracked, and then a lot of times I try to get with Nick and get an episode out with him, and it just doesn't work out, and I finally just decided I'm going to start trying to do some more episodes, you know, solo, try to get some stuff out. But anyway, here we are. Welcome back. Um, but, uh, like I said, it's been a while, so... Trying to think of what uh, needs to be covered since the last episode. I think the last episode I did would have been the live episode where we talked about reloading equipment. Um, so that's been a while. Um, a couple of updates about what's going on over here. Um, we got a couple of things coming up. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to get back in. Um, do, I want to try to get back into doing weekly episodes here on the show. And right now it's like once every two months. And. It's not real good for trying to keep uh, listeners interested. So I'm going to try to start getting back to doing a, an episode once a week, whether uh, Nick's here or not. Um, try to keep content out. So um, I have a, I have a hard time doing doing uh, solo shows because I just lose track of what I'm talking about. You know, the last episode I did, the live episode, worked out pretty good because I knew I had people watching me. Um, and that actually... <laughs> That actually ended up being a bad deal, too, because I um, hit the live recording button on Facebook. I did a Facebook Live, and I actually ended up doing it on my uh, small business page for here in Alaska instead of on the Mountain Man Dan show page on Facebook. So that was kind of a cluster, but, you know, it worked out. I was able to rip the audio and and get that out on, 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 on the podcast host. So, um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, I'm going to try to... Try to shoot for once a week again. Uh, start to at least try to. You know, it's not. I don't think it's gonna happen every single week, but I'm gonna try to focus on weekly episodes and get better about um, writing out a script. I guess. I guess that'd be the right term. Writing out um, ideas for the show and then following. So I have try to uh, keep my flow of conversation, talking to myself, going better because I'm not good at talking to myself. You'd think as much as I talk, I'd be good at talking to myself, but I'm not. So um. So anyway, yeah, that being said, let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, first thing, I want to, um, and I don't know if this sale is still going on. It was as of about a week ago. Um, and anybody that goes to Sportsman's Warehouse uh, a lot knows that they just got bought out by uh, Bass Pro Shops. So they've been having some uh, pretty interesting and pretty significant sales in there on a few things. So one of the things that they've had on sale, and I think it's still on sale, I'm going to check the Sportsman's website real quick. Um... But anyway, one of the things they had on sale was the Sig Kilo uh, 1800 rangefinder, uh, BDX rangefinders, and they're normally I think the MSRP on those is either 4.99 or 6.99, and I, uh, Sportsman's Warehouse uh, had them on sale, and they still do, on, including on their website. Yeah, normal uh, retail price is 3.99, or suggested retail price is 3.99. They're on sale for 179. 99. Uh, it's called the Sig Sauer Kilo 1800 BDX Rangefinder, and um, 
I've never, I mean, I've, I've had rangefinders in the past, and they've always been these great big, like, the only rangefinders I've ever had were the old Bushnell ones that my dad gave me when I was a teenager, when he upgraded, and I, I used them for a long time because they worked. And then this past moose season, um, during I pulled out the rangefinder one day to range a shot, and um, it didn't turn on anymore. So I've been kind of in the market for a new rangefinder, and I've been eyeballing uh, different rangefinders. I was looking at a Vortex one. I actually looked at it at, was going to look at the Sig ones, and we pulled and whatever other brands are out there. And um, I just hadn't really made up my mind on what I wanted yet. And then I was in. Orphan's Warehouse here about, it was like a week or two ago, and they had the SIG, the, that SIG rangefinder on sale for 179 bucks. I ended up buying one and uh, started playing with it, and I gotta say, I'm really impressed with that thing so far. Um, so it's got a, you know, I took it out the first day I had it, and I went out for a hike in the mountains, and you know, up in the hills and the trees, I wasn't able to get any shots really further than, you know, 800 yards or so. But I didn't have any problems making readings on like bushes and trees and, and even snow with that range. Um, and even in lower light conditions. Or the old Bushnell rangefinder I had had to be... It had to be pretty much perfect. You know, it had to be a, a nice flat reflective surface and the lighting had to be really good or it wouldn't pick it up. And this thing I didn't have any problem getting any ranges. I think it's a 6 power uh, rangefinder. But what really caught my interest with it was um it's got so it's got the sig bdx um so uh basically the thing is bluetooth so if you have the sig bdx scope that goes with the rangefinder you can program your loads and stuff into it and uh there's some built-in uh data uh, charts um ballistic charts that are you know the common loads like 223 308 and that kind of stuff i mean it's got a programmable slot and you can actually uh Use the Ballista Sig Ballistic app and program all your information into it, and then Bluetooth your phone over to the rangefinder. So then, um, it's got a couple different uh, settings on it. It's got a line of sight and a modified angle. And then the third one is, I believe it works off a modified angle. But when you range, when you once you have your load programmed into it, it will tell you the MOA adjustments you have to make right there in the rangefinder, and it's really handy. Um, I played with it. It seems really accurate with, uh, excuse me, uh, with a little bit of testing I did with it. It seemed like it was really accurate. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I was, I was uh, really, really impressed with that system. The glass is really good. You know, the 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 target that they were picking up, picking up on snow is pretty hard. Uh, I didn't have any problems uh, doing trees like the tops of trees and like the very tip top of a tree, very small target. Um, you know, at six, seven hundred yards, and I was still able to get good, good readings on those. And then with that ballistic app, you know, I was able to program it for my 458 Win Mag actually, and uh, go out there and get hits on uh, like stumps and stuff. Just you know, unscientific, but you know, close enough that for what I was doing, I was pretty happy with it. So that 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 uh, that rangefinder, that that having the built-in ballistic app built into the rangefinder is really cool. And then, if you have the SIG BDX scope, you can Bluetooth the rangefinder to the scope as well. And that will allow it to, um, when you, once you arrange it and it pops into range, the scope will do this little digital thing and it'll actually, uh, come up with a second crosshair or a little dot that's your actual aiming point. It'll compensate for windage and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, 
So yeah, so for 179 bucks, uh, I was really, really impressed with that rangefinder. I would uh, would totally recommend it. And I uh, just checked the Sportsman's excuse me, Sportsman's Warehouse website, and that rangefinder is still on sale for 179 bucks, and they say they still have them in stock. So, and that uh, is a good example of problem number two when I'm recording podcast by myself is I start talking way too fast. So, um, anyway, let's go ahead and uh, move on to the next point. I'm uh, trying to work on the, on the uh, podcast here more over the next, you know, trying to get to do it once a week. I'm also <clears throat> going to start working on my YouTube channel a little bit more. I used to, I used to put out YouTube channel videos uh, fairly often when we were in Montana and Idaho, and I had a shop and that kind of stuff where I could work on projects and, um, get out to the range and record stuff and I just got away from it for lack of time but lately I have quite a bit more time so I really want to start working on that a little bit more. Um, two two projects I have coming up that are going to be discussed both here on the podcast and on the YouTube channel and I'll probably do some writing on as well and uh, send to like gunblast.com or one of the other places where I send articles to. Uh, the first one is I got curious um you know, I've been shooting uh, high-tech coated and powder coated bullets for quite a now. You know, hand for hand loading, and uh, you know, I've I've run them up to in the 44 mag. I played with them a while back and ran them up to about 15, 1600 foot per second before I started to get any letting. And I accepted the fact, you know, for for handgun bullets, that was enough performance without letting that they were that they work pretty good. Um, since the last episode of the podcast, I've actually picked up two 4570s. And uh, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, so I've got a bunch of Missouri River Bullet Company. Um, their 410 grain uh, subsonic super thump that they made for the 458 SOCOM. I've got like 800 of those. And then I've got like 400 of their 405 grain uh, wide flat nose 4570 bullets. <clears throat> and I noticed that the... 4570 bullets have lube grooves and the SOCOM bullets do not. And, uh, you, you know, having messed with powder coating bullets myself when I used to cast and having shot quite a few various handgun uh, powder coated bullets, you know, the grooves don't really affect anything in, in handgun calibers like 9mm, 357, 44 mag. But I got, to, I got to wondering if in the 4570, you know, where I can push, you know, 1800 foot per second or so, with those um, with those 400 grain bullets, if I would notice anything as far as accuracy wise and leading wise with bullets, you know, with loop grooves where they have half the bearing surface um, inside the board. So I'm going to be playing with that. I was actually prepping some stuff for that tonight, um, getting a bunch of brass ready, and, and I'm going to start. You know, I'll start around maybe 1200 foot per second, and then work up and see at what point with each one of those bullets I start to get leading. And then at that point, just before I get letting, how accuracy is. And then I have some 425 grain bullets from uh, Bull Shop that are a pr you know, proper uh, a gas check uh, hard cast design with a good synthetic lube in them. And we'll push those out of the 4570 and see uh, how much further we can push a traditional proper synthetic lube bullet. Um, even if we have to jump up to the 458 wind mag and see how far, hard we can push those bullets before we start getting any letting. So I thought that'd be really kind of an interesting subject. And I plan on 
covering that fairly extensively here on on the podcast. Um, I'm sorry, on on the YouTube channel, and writing a couple of at least one article about it, and then I'll probably do an episode here on the podcast about that. Um, ex, uh, ex, sorry, do an episode on the podcast about that exclusively. I get a little tongue tied sometimes. Um, so on that note, uh, two forty five seventies. I picked up um, the first one. Is you know anybody that's been listening to the podcast knows me in person knows that I've been talking about uh, wanting another 4570 for quite some time. I had the Contender, and I've had a couple other ones here and there, but I really wanted the Marlin, and I really don't like pistol grips on a lever gun. Um, any, again, anybody that knows me knows that. There's a, I just like the way they feel better. I like the way they look better, and more importantly, I like the way they carry better because a lot of times here in the brush, uh, when I'm carrying a lever-action rifle when it's raining and I'm out you know, doing whatever out in the brush, I like to carry the rifle upside down, so that way the barrel doesn't fill up with rain and whatever else. So with a pistol grip gun, that pistol grip kind of rides right on the back of your shoulder, and it's just not nearly as comfortable to carry. I way prefer a straight grip uh, uh, stock on a lever-action rifle. And so I've been searching for a rifle for quite some time that was a rifle-length Marlin 4570 with a pistol grip or... I'm sorry, with a straight stock, or to find one with a pistol grip cheap enough that I could that I could modify it. And my dad happened to see that I was uh, talking about that on one of the gun forums that I frequent, and he decided to send me his his Marlin 4570 that he used for many years up here in Alaska as a guide and hunting rifle, and it is a Marlin that we call Boo um, because of the serial number being uh, starts with B00. I think it's a four-digit serial number after that, but the uh, the first-generation Marlin 1895 round bolts and 4570 all started with that uh, B00 uh, serial number. So this is a first-year production straight grip, 22-inch barrel, four-round tube. Um, obviously, it's got a lot of sentimental value in it, being my dad's and having uh, you know covered a lot of ground between the Brooks Range and South you know, Southeast Alaska when he was timber falling and the Brooks Range when he was working as a guide. You know, it's probably covered. Uh, you know, it's covered a lot of land in this uh, state, and I would say it's safe to say that rifle has probably taken every type of game in North America. Uh, big game. So it's got, got a lot of sentimental value. I mean, of course, you know, being a forty-five seventy, it's, you know, something I've been wanting anyway. So he sent me that, um, and it's got a really interesting site. I might do a YouTube video on that on there. As far as I know, it's the only peep site like it in existence. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little more in, like, a YouTube video or something. Um, and then, so, right after I picked up that rifle, um, <clears throat> I was dealing with another rifle I had that I wasn't super happy with. And I've talked about that one here on the podcast before, too. That Marlin 1894, uh, 44 mag I picked up last year when we, when we were doing our brush gun challenge, uh, between me and Nick. And I just was not, I, I was never super happy with that Marlin 44 mag, mostly because it would not stabilize 300 grain bullets, which is what I like to shoot in 44 Magnum. And it just, the accuracy point was never really there. It seemed like I was always able to, you know, shoot better than the rifle could with one of my, with one of my 44 mag pistols. So there was just, you know, between, the, it just, I was never super happy with it. I never really shot it because it wouldn't stabilize the 300 grain bullets. 
And you know, I tried to revamp my, my 44 mag loads with 240 grainers, and it just... My pistol shoot the 300 grainer so much better, and I like the 300 grain bullet, you know, for bear country. And the whole point of having the 44 mag carbine was to not have to carry two different kinds of ammo. So I, I offered it up for trade, and I ended up trading it for a Marlin GBL 4570, which um, is the blued and laminate version of the SBL like Chris Pratt used in uh, Jurassic World. So I've actually been wanting an SBL for quite some time. Um, I thought it would be a really... I, I like the guide guns, the Marlin guide guns, but I've always felt, especially having grown up around a 22-inch Marlin rifle, I thought the guide guns were just a little muzzle, I guess light in the muzzle, they just didn't balance quite as nicely. So I've always thought the, the SBL and GBLs would uh, balance really nice. There's an 18-inch barrel like the guide guns, but they have the uh, six-round tube on them. So it adds a little bit more weight. And they are pistol grip design. Um, I haven't made up my mind if I'm going to uh, do away with the pistol grip on this one or if I'm just going to leave it alone. But I do like the way the gun feels with this pistol grip and the large loop lever on it. But the SBLs are uh, ridiculously expensive up here in Alaska. You know, if you go on the Marlin website, the SBL, uh, 1895 SBL is the only gun they show on there. You know, they always, on all their rifles, they always show the little animals that it's good for. You know, the rabbits and the deer and hogs and whatever else. And the SBL 4570 is the only one that shows a T-Rex. And having been used in a, in a very popular movie like um, Jurassic World... They, they, they demand a premium price. So I ended up picking up the GBL on a trade. Super happy with it. The gun shoots excellent. It handles really well. It's buttery smooth. Um, you know, for one, a newer production Marlin under the Remington name, I'm actually really, really, really happy with it. And, uh, of course, I threw a Skinner peep sight on it and a uh, Simply Rugged Alaskan sling. And it's been riding around in my truck with me. When I go out, I've been... I'm going to do a bear bait this spring, I think, and we'll talk about that more in a later episode. But um, So I've been out scouting some areas, and I've been taking that, that GBL with me when I go out scouting. And so far, I've been really, really, really happy with that rifle. I like it a lot more than the 44 mag I traded for it. So, anyway, so we'll be talking about that. Um, you know, the 4570. Uh, now, now that I've got two of them, I actually just sold the Contender once I got these two. So I don't have it anymore. I only have the uh, the Marlins now. So, um, and then the other thing I've got coming up that I'm going to be talking about, and I've talked, I've, I haven't really been posting about this on social media, mostly because I've been uh, thrown in Facebook jail again the last couple weeks. Of course, it seems, if this by magic, um, it seems that they threw me in Facebook jail right around the time of the election. They found some BS reason to throw me in Facebook jail. And then right around the time of the inauguration, I was um, looking at buying a 375 Ruger. And uh, I put on Facebook asking if anybody had a 375 Ruger. I had a couple questions I wanted to ask about it. And I guess Facebook took that as I was trying to buy a gun through Facebook. You know, of course they did. So they ended up throwing me in Facebook jail again. So I am in there for, I think, 60 days or something like that. So I haven't been real active on social media. So I haven't been talking about this upcoming thing. But with having bought a three, so I bought a 375 Ruger. Um, that's another gun I've been wanting for quite a while. Um, <clears throat> with this last Facebook ban I collected, I decided to start looking at alternate uh, social medias, and I ended up joining up on. I've been a member on MeWe for quite a while, but I've never really used it. 
So I started pursuing Miwi a little bit more and uh, really discovered that the, the, the firearm uh, culture on there is, is very up and you can sell guns. And So I ended, up selling, I ended up selling a bunch of stuff I've been collecting I didn't need and raised uh, a fair amount of money. So I ended up finally buying the uh, 375 uh, Ruger I've been wanting and I found a uh, left-handed model, early model, uh, guide rifle, 375 Ruger, before they went to the adjustable stock spacers and started putting the muzzle brake on them. So um, I ended up picking that up and that led me to start hunting for a scope to put on it. And um, you know, up here in Alaska, a short gun like that, there's always the possibility, especially if you're out moose hunting or, or caribou hunting and you're trying to pack out your meat, there's always the possibility of running into a bear. That's just a fact of life here in Alaska if you're not in the city. And even in the city, you never know when you're going to run into a bear or a moose. You know, moose are, I would almost rather tangle with a, with a bear than an angry moose. They're not very friendly. So you never know when you're going to need to you know, be able to get a, a, a quick shot off. So when I used to shoot three gun down in Idaho, the little bit that I shot three gun, I really learned to appreciate the the use of a, of a scope with a true one power. Because for me, and this is one of the reasons I don't like scout rifles, but for me, um, shooting with like a one and a half or a two or even a three power scope and trying to shoot both eyes open... Um, it just gets all blurry, and I get uh, it just doesn't work. I start seeing double vision. I've actually got really good eyesight, but it just doesn't work good for me when the scope has a higher magnification than my other eye. So I started looking for a, 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 a like a one to six or a one to eight rifle scope with a true one power, and it really surprised me how little is out there about using the, the, the uh, LPVOs on, you know, the low-power variable optics on on big-bore and hunting rifles. There's almost nothing out there because the entire market right now is dominated by modern sporting rifles, you know, AR-15s and that kind of stuff. So I ended up doing a lot of research. You know, a lot of these lower-power reticle uh, scopes, because of being geared towards AR-15s and that kind of stuff, have really goofy reticles in them that I don't like. So I finally found a scope that I was that I'm pretty happy with. I bought it, and I'm waiting for the rifle to show up this week so I can throw it on there if I can ever find 30 millimeter rings um, with everything being out of stock right now. But I bought a, a Vortex Viper a PST Gen 2, a 1 to 6 by 24, and it has just a standard crosshair with some. Uh, I think they're four mil space. It's not really a BDC. They're not. They're not uh, separated at further lengths or different ranges, but they are. That has four mil hash marks for both windage and elevation holdover. So um, I went ahead and bought that scope, and we'll be doing a review on that here pretty soon. I'm going to be putting that on at 375, and then. But it really led me, you know, I've been talking to Andy Skin, uh, Andy Larson with Skinner Sights for a while about doing a test and review on his uh, LV um, LPVO scope that he uh, he came out with, and it just kind of led me to start looking. Uh, how little is out there as far as reviews and videos and that kind of stuff about you know selecting a scope um, for dangerous game on a rifle. I mean, of course, the actual scope reviews themselves because a, uh, a scope's going to act a lot differently on a big bore rifle than it is on an AR-15. You know, the recoil is going to be different. Um, keeping it in the rings is going to be different. There's a lot going on putting a scope on a big bore bolt gun. Um, it's a lot harder on the scope. So, and there's a lot of good scopes on the market that are even expensive, you know, five, six hundred dollar scopes that I 
don't think would hold up to like a 458 wind mag. So, uh, I started... I started doing a lot of research. Um, I've got a few scopes on the way. Um, I bought some. Um, I've sent out a bunch of emails asking uh, companies that they would let me review their scopes for this for this study. And I'll be testing uh, these scopes on the 375 Ruger, the 4570s, uh, the 458 Win Mag, and whatever other hard kicking rifles I have. And uh, so I'm going to do an article about this and general an overview of the LVPOs. Uh, I'm sorry, the LPVO. On on big boards, I'll probably do a a, a, um, a podcast episode, you know, a, a, um, about that, you know, specific topic, and then I'll be doing individual scope reviews as well. Of course, as soon as my 375 Ruger gets here, I'm gonna do a review on on the on the on the Vortex that's sitting on my bench over there. Uh, once that Skinner optic comes in, it's actually gonna be going on my 458. Um, that was one of the things that uh, me and Andy were talking about, uh, wanting to test how how well his scope would hold up to the recoil. Um, so we're going to put it on the fifth on the 458 and test it out. And it's, I think it's going to be a very interesting test. You know, individual scope reviews, gear reviews. Um, I'll be reviewing like tally rings and the worn the QD rings and that kind of stuff. Um, there's another company actually here in Alaska, Alaska Arms, that makes some nice QD rings. I'm looking at testing out. So I, I just think it's going to be a, a nice, interesting uh, subject to cover, and it'll give us some more stuff to talk about in the upcoming weeks. And then um, the only other thing I think I had coming up, I had another note here. Uh, yeah, with, with this bear hunt this spring, um, you know, I'll be testing a lot of gear on it, as well as uh, this bullet thing I was talking about earlier. I'll be testing a lot of that on this uh, spring bear hunt I do. And there's actually a lot hanging on this bear hunt because I got offered... The possible opportunity to become an Alaska hunting guide, an assistant guide, and um, I, I, in order to do that, I've got to fill three big game tags uh, this year um, before moose season. And the only thing that's open for big game before moose season would be uh, black and grizzly bear. So uh, right where I'm at, I'm allowed to shoot three blacks and a grizz um, all over bait. So I'm going to be doing a bear bait this spring. Um, and trying to fill all four of those tags, and hopefully at least three of them, so that way I can um, get that assistant guide thing going on. Maybe go at it as a, as a hunting guide this year, which I was, it's something I've wanted to do pretty much my whole life, especially since it was you know, my dad did it as a career, and you know obviously I enjoy hunting, so it's something that. Uh, okay, technical difficulty there. I'm not really sure what happened, but anyway. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this bear hunt. And I'm actually planning on using Dad's rifle on bear hunt. I just think it's fitting um, to use the rifle that he used a lot for bear hunting and guiding. Um, and actually saved his butt against a bear, a grizzly, one time that uh, he had to go put down. So I just think it's fitting to uh, use that rifle for my first uh, serious bear hunt. Because that rifle probably has more experience carrying killing bears than I ever will. So... Anyway, yeah, that's, uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and try to get this episode wrapped up. I just really wanted to try to get something out there, um, start working on trying to get more episodes out more more frequently, and, uh, hopefully, uh, the solo episodes will start coming a little easier for me the more I, I do them. It just, you know, I, a lot of times I end up just kind of rambling on instead of actually covering the subject that I want to talk about. And, uh, I've, I've gone back and listened to episodes. I've actually gone back and listened to pretty much every episode I've ever done. Most of them multiple times. And 
the ones where I do by myself always uh, are really hard for me to listen to just because of the way I ramble. So I'm trying to I try to get better about that. So that way, even on on weeks when Nick and I can't to get together, like we were supposed to get together tonight, and uh, something must have come up as he ended up not 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 being here tonight. And I wanted to get an episode out anyway, but I'd already told some people that there would be a new episode. So, um, yeah, to start trying to. Hopefully, the more I do the solo episodes, the better they'll get. And then, you know, obviously, I'm working on trying to still get some better gear set up. Um, I've got some new recording equipment set up now for whatever Nick and I do to get together. So, hopefully, his audio and my audio will be a lot higher quality than what they have been in the past. We've dealt with some real audio issues in the past. I think today's audio, you know, the way I'm doing the solo episodes, the audio is pretty good. You know, I've got a good headset. And I know a good microphone and a good good set of ear set so I can, you know, hear what's going on. Um, but anyway, yeah, I appreciate everybody tuning into the episode. Like I said, we got some pretty interesting things coming up that I'm hoping to be able to cover both here on the podcast and my YouTube channel, which you can find um, at The Shooter's Apprentice on YouTube. Um, most social medias, that's the name I've started going by, uh, The Shooter's Pre- Apprentice or just my real name, Daniel Congiolosi. Um, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, it was on Twitter for a while. I don't really get on there very much. But Instagram, I'm pretty. I'm, uh, I do a lot of stuff on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, when I when they don't have me banned, now I'm over on MeWe by my real name. Um, I'm I'm usually pretty active on social media, and I'm trying to start getting more active in YouTube and that kind of stuff again. I used to I used to put out quite a few YouTube videos back, you know, five or six years ago. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up. I appreciate everybody tuning in to listen, and we will see you next time.